Hey, everybody, and welcome to this episode of the Blind Ambition with Jack Kelly. It's your friend, Rick from Blind, and today I'm going to introduce you all to Arvin Jane. Arvin is the founder and CEO of Glean. He founded Glean to make it easy for people to find the information they need to be more productive and happier at work. Before Glean, Arvin co-founded Rubrik, one of the fastest growing companies in cloud data management and served as a distinguished engineer at Google, where he spent over a decade leading various teams in search, maps, and YouTube. For those of you that don't know, Glean is an AI platform for enterprise search and knowledge discovery. It uses generative AI to learn your company's knowledge base and develop a deep understanding of the context, behavior, and relationships with coworkers that are specifically tuned to your workplace. Thanks for coming on the show, Arvind. Thank you for having me. I mean, hopefully I did your background. It, it's been a great, you know, capped off by 10 years at Google um, as a distinguished engineer, which is quite of a, a, an amazing accomplishment. But can you walk us through your career just so that we're all on the same page there? Yeah. So right now uh, I'm the founder and CEO of Glean. Glean is the company that we started about five years back, early 2019. Um, and as, as, as you mentioned, it's a, it's think of it like Google or chat GPT, but inside your company, um, before starting lean, I was doing another startup, which we had started in 2014 called rubric, uh, rubric is also an enterprise software company. Um, and, uh, and, and before that I was at Google for over a decade, starting with when it was a a privately held company, and I worked on search for a long time uh, as part of that job at Google. And, and before Google, I was actually part of a couple other startups as a founding team member and early employee at uh, Riverbed Technology uh, and Akamai. Uh, both of these are also um, uh, large public companies now, and and that's 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 where it is. So I started my journey uh, about uh, twenty five years ago. It, that's certainly a great run. In what what made you decide after working at some of these you know, Google, you know, obviously very large organization, to uh, to put together Glean? Yeah, I mean, like the the motivation for Glean came uh, to me when I was um, uh, doing my pre previous startup, uh, Rubric. Uh, we were actually quite fortunate at Rubric to find the right problem, the right business, you know, that allowed us to actually quickly scale our company. And within four years, uh, we were more than a thousand people in the company. But with that growth, um, we also experienced difficulties. We were feeling like we're not able to move as fast. You know, people are not as productive as they used to be. We actually do a pulse survey every six months every, and try to learn from people like what's in their way of doing great work. And the top complaint that we would actually get in our pulse surveys from people was employees saying that, I don't feel enabled. I don't know actually where to go and look for things, find the information that I need to do my job. I also don't know who to go and ask for help when I need help. And it was not surprising because, you know, I was feeling the same way, you know, as, as, as one of the founders of the company, whenever I needed something, it was like big, big issue. Like you know, just, I didn't know where to go and, you know, start. Luckily for me, like I had an, you know, an assistant, like who would actually do the work for me. But it was, it was, it was, it was the problem that like, I think, you know, every company faces, uh, we were facing it, you know, uh, in, in, in an even bigger way because, you know, we were built in this modern 
uh, SaaS you know, era and our company knowledge was spread across like hundreds of different systems and it was really hard to like find out information elsewhere. So, so there was a problem at, at, at hand. I'm a search engineer by training. So first I said, oh, you know what, you know, if, if it's hard to find things, go and buy a search engine, uh, put it inside your company. That's going to help make it easy. And I realized, you know, in that exercise that there was, there was no product in, in, the, in, the, in the market that were actually making it easy for employees to find information. There's no search engine that we could buy uh, for, for our employees. So that's, that's sort of what led to the creation of Clean. It makes a lot of sense because, for, let's say from my perspective, I run a small compared to your shop, and it's always a hassle when you're trying to find documents you know, in my instance, it's like recruiting. So where's the placement agreement for this? Where's the contract for that? And then who has it? Who did it? And it just, it it takes so much time to track it down. And it's so frustrating. So what, what, what you're doing is making it easier for companies to pull it all in one place together. So you don't have that aggravation, like where where's this document? Where's that document? Is that kind of that? Exactly. Yeah. And then how does it play out? Do you, is it a combination of both downloading information into Glean, but then also tapping into kind of, you know, the internet like ChatGPT and the others to pull in things from the, from, you know, pull in data from everywhere. Is, is that, that happens too? Yeah. So, so, so primarily for Glean, our value is in helping you sort out data that lives within your company. So, um, so that's that's the first thing we would do. Like, you know, if you ask, come and ask a question, we will look for, is there, you know, some document or you know some piece of knowledge within your company that can actually answer your question, and and if so, we'll actually present that back to you. Um, but sometimes, you know, your questions are general, like the answer actually is on the internet, not really inside your company. So we'll actually help pull that information too. And that makes a lot of sense to me, right? Because I find that if you know, based on my limited knowledge of AI, but if you train your like large language model or your AI on kind of a, a walled garden or a specific set of data, it, it can likely be more accurate, right? Are, are you mm -hmm. seeing kind of the benefits of that? Or, you know, is it some kind of other benefit entirely in terms of your technology and your underlying search? Yeah, so that's a really good question. Um, AI models are somewhat predictable, and and sometimes they can make a mistake too, as you've seen. Like you know, people talk about hallucinations uh, all the time, and so there are there are techniques. So one of one of those techniques is exactly what you said. That is, you can actually ground your AI model um, to a specific set of knowledge. So basically, what you're telling the AI model is, don't work on like all of the world's information. Work on only these small set of documents for me. So if I come and ask a question, read only these documents and try to see if you can extract an answer from it. Otherwise, just tell me that you don't have the answer. So, so there are ways to sort of prompt these models to behave. And that's exactly what we do. Whenever a user comes and asks a question, first we will use our core search technology to actually assemble what we think are the most relevant documents, you know, which are which are fresh and up to date and, and potentially can answer this question. So we don't know the answer yet, but we sort of assembling a set of documents that we think you know you know contain the answer and then we'll actually have the ai work on only that set of documents and 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 have have ai sort of generate the answer using using that knowledge and that allows you to 
actually make the AI technology more accurate, robust, and, and hopefully make things up. But before you do that, you know, there can always be issues. So the other thing that we do with Green is that any kind of text that AI generates, always fact, fact check it with our own internal company knowledge. And so that's a way to sort of ultimately deliver an experience, you know, that people can feel confident in. Did you bring any of your experience from Google into kind of solving search at the, the company level? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so first, I think every, everybody, you know, like including me, myself, suffering from this issue of like, not find anything ever. Like when at Google, that was actually a big joke that we were helping everybody in the world find answers to their questions, but we're not helping ourselves internally. Like you couldn't find any, anything inside the company. And the problem is obvious. I think it was a matter of somebody wanting to solve it. And so we, we chose to solve it. But then in terms of like how you build a product, um, it's, it's a hard problem. Like search is very, very hard because like magic, like, you know, your expectation today with Google is that you can go there and ask any question and you expect Google to sift through like 10 billion documents on the internet and, and pick the right answer and give it back to you in like less than one second, right? So it takes a lot of effort. So for us also building this product was building the right team from the beginning. Like I spent over a decade working on search myself, but so has most of our early team, like a lot of us came from Google. If you came from other large enterprises, you know, having decades of experience building search products. So that was absolutely something that was important as we got, as we got started. Arvid, if you don't mind to go back a little bit in time, what well, you said when you started Google, it was still early on. How was it? So how early on? It was like, how many people were there when you started? If you don't mind my asking, like, yeah. Well, I mean, like, you know, when I started at Google, it was actually uh, not that small, like it was private, but, you know, there were there were a few hundred engineers uh, in the company and, um, and we already had a great product, uh, the search engine, and I got to work on it. That was really exciting. Um, the, um, like with, within the company, like um, the, the, the engineering team, like, you know, like there was a hierarchy, like, you know, you sort of start, you know, when, when you come in the company, you start at the at 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 one of the um, early levels, and then as you sort of you know make make contributions in the company, you 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 climb that ladder and 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 the uh, you know you know becoming a distinguished engineer was basically you know was something that like you know you do good work you know over over a period of years and sort of you get to that level, um, the. Like, yeah, I guess in terms of like maybe putting things in context, I think less than 1% of the engineers would actually get to that level in the company. Now, now is it also where, as you're saying here, you're not, you're still an individual contributor. So you're going a path instead of like managing a whole team, you have the knowledge to be an awesome software engineer. So like, hey, that's what I do best. So I'm going to do it. And that's a separate track than people who might say, hey, I just... At this point, I'm going to be a manager and manage more people. That's right. So and that, was, that was one of the really good things about Google was they actually created these two paths, a path, you know, where you can actually keep working on building great technology, um, but still have large impact and um, uh, versus the other path, which is like actually start to manage and help other people build great things. So folks who are like truly great builders had that chance to be on the level playing field, you know, along with the management team. Um, and, and so I certainly, certainly use, you know, chose that path for myself as well. Rick, 
tell me if you're thinking this the same way I am. I'm I'm listening to this. I'm thinking you start and you're so calm about it, right? You're so cavalier about it, Arvid. Like so, you started when it's private before Google went public. So you went for a rocket ship ride. That's insane. Like think about it to be at that place at that time. Even though maybe it wasn't the first five people, but you were you know first you know large you know beginning cohort. But that's got to be amazing. Like how was it? going there and being at that place at that time. And I don't even want to ask how much money you have through stock options, because it's probably out of control, but put that aside. But how it had to be crazy, right? To like be there in that environment. Like, what was it like? It, it was it was incredible yeah. for me. You know, without, without a doubt, I think I would say it was the best job that I had, you know, at the time. Um, my 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 uh, i'll tell you like you know how i felt like you know google google was this really truly special place uh with you know amazing talent um when i came in i had this imposter uh, syndrome like you know i just felt that i was out of place everybody was brilliant like like mad scientists from mit and and just amazing and you know for me the reason i actually went there was because i i just felt that i would learn a lot and so, so for a while, it was like that. It was very uncomfortable just trying to prove my place in the company. But it was, it was, it was also, you know, very different. Like, you know, like you said, there are two, two big distinct things, you know, at, at Google. One, that engineers were the king um, at the company and I'd never seen it before. Like, you know, the, the, the true power was held by people who were building great products. They would come up with the great ideas and, and the leadership was actually built in the company to assist you know, uh, that engineering excellence. So that was that was actually so as an engineer, you felt really good, really you know powerful, and you know felt that you had the agency to you know to do big things. Um, and and second was incredible, like you know the innovation, like the, just the way the company you know thought and did things. There was never um, it was sort of like uncapped uh, ambition in some sense. For example, one fine day. The company decides that you know uh, we're gonna actually map the entire world. We're gonna send you know. <clears throat> you know. Let's just map the world today. Like yeah, yeah. Like, that's yeah. what Rick and I say every day, right? Yeah. Uh, like, like, we'll just have, map the whole world. Easy to. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Like you know, like you know, like have satellites. You know, and, you know, and you know, take take the, the take the imagery of the entire world, and then send send a fleet of cars everywhere in every single country, and we're just gonna map every single inch of the earth. And so like a lot of efforts at Google were like that. And was just, they were just incredibly exciting. Like, you know, as an engineer, like, you know, when you sort of like have the management team, you know, with that kind of ambition, like, you know, it allows you to like build really cool technology. So it sort of felt like, you know, that uh, amazing playground. And I, I absolutely loved it. So it's wild. So like on one level, you're saying, and I really respect the fact that you're very humble in terms of the way you're describing it, very honest, saying that you felt a little bit imposter syndrome because you look around and everybody's a genius, everyone's brilliant. So you have to overcome that. But then also by being, you know, as you're saying, being an engineer and a distinguished engineer, you have that swagger to know that you're, like you said, the king, which is, yeah. has to be a good feeling too, knowing that everybody's looking up to you and others like you to make this happen. That has to be pretty, pretty awesome feeling, right? Yeah, absolutely. I loved it. And and of course you had, you had to earn it. So like, you know, when, when I came in, like I, I came in as, as an engineer with no designation and, and you had to sort of grow into it, but you know, the company always 
made engineers feel like a they could they could they could do great things so so i i i i i thank you know google for whatever success i've had in my career and then what happened then there's a time where you just said hey you know what i want to do something my own and started rubric is that it was, it was for me it was more accidental like i was actually always really happy uh, working at google you know you get to work on big great things so it was actually a friend of mine who wanted to start the company and you know, I'd been at, you know, at Google for over 10 years uh, and he was able to convince me and to to try it out. And, and I was always excited on, uh, about starting a company from scratch and sort of you go through that challenge again. Sometimes, you know, at a large company, you start to feel like the challenge is no longer there in mm. the sense that the company is doing so well and it's going to do well without your project succeeding in some way because it's in, like the company is way bigger than yourself. So that was the exciting part for me to like start again and prove that, you know, we can build something valuable with no resources, with no height of the large company behind us. So it was an exciting proposition for me and and I, I chose to jump in. All right. Uh, and- I mean, so you mentioned this, like it's kind of the dream in San Francisco or Silicon Valley, the Bay Area, um, to, to to be able to kind of call the shots on your own in your career. I mean, I'm just going to be very forward. Do you feel like you've made it in your career? Like, what what are your career goals now at at this point and stage in your life? Yeah. Um. So first, like you know, I I, I think I feel like you know I'm, I've been unfortunately, I mean, sorry, I've, I've been very very um uh lucky you know, with, uh, with all the opportunities that I've gotten, um, in the, um, like in my career, um, I, and at, at this point, like, you know, the way I think about what I do next is how can, how can I make, you know, some positive impact, build products that can actually help us in our everyday lives. And, and I think the starting, starting clean was, 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 was about that. Like, you know, when I, when I see like, you know, in our work lives, you know, there is a, this, really big struggle that every every single person who I know faces and the ability to sort of go you know and you know build some technology use the technology to to solve real world problems I think that's that's the exciting part so you know it's, it's fortunate to be in a position where you can actually um, you know do that um and uh, so so that's that's sort of you know that's my mindset at this point like you know have you know make an impact you know do 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 good things work with great people, make them successful. That's what, that's what drives me. I mean, we are, we're working on a problem that, that every person in every company in the world faces. So the opportunity for Glean is huge. Like when we started the company, that was our ambition. Like we want, we want to be the Google for people in their work lives. And so it's a, it's a big, it's a, it's a big opportunity um uh to both solve a, very, a really large problem and also to build build an iconic company so how large do you think this could be do you have any any goals in mind or is it one day at a time yeah more more like you know like i guess at a startup you plan one year at a time mm-hmm. and and um and the way like i think the like i i always feel like you know glean is going to be as large as our ambition that is the market doesn't limit us in any way um ai is going to fundamentally change how people work um our opportunity is only getting larger with like everything that you hear in the ai world i mean if you think about this like yes we started with this 
solving one problem, which is that we're going to help find things for you. You know, whatever you need to do your job, whatever information you need, we're going to actually make that more easily accessible to you. But now with how the AI technology has actually uh, progressed over the last two years, now we're actually talking about helping you two steps further, not just like help find things for you, but also um, actually directly sort of read that information, synthesize answers for you, um, and actually work for you as well. In in five years from now, um, most of this work is going to be automated. We're going to have AI assistants that are going to do sort of these things for us and, and allow us to up-level our own work life. So it's a limitless scope for us to build um, a very, very large company and you know, keep building the technology and keep growing as a company. So, um, uh, over the years. Now, I'm curious, like the the vision that you described, or the kind of um, context that you just shared with us, it, it it reminds me a little bit of kind of what it must have felt like when um, the internet just became like more popular, right? And I, I'm curious now for those folks that are listening, they hear about AI, uh, they get excited about it. Maybe they're finding it challenging to figure out what's hype and what's not. Do you have any advice for the engineers, the technologists that are listening that want to get into AI, You know how they can kind of figure out where to bet their career and figure out between that noise, what what's legit or not? Yeah, so AI as a, as a technology, you know, it's a real deal. Um, the advances that we've seen in in these large language models, uh, or general, like you know, um, you know, AI models, um, it's it's incredible. And the power, you know, there is that level of intelligence, you know, in in the AI models today, which has the potential to fundamentally change um, how things work, um, you know, and so I think as a as a technologist, like the first thing that is that like a, the AI technology is real. Like don't don't think of it as as a hype or um, like more hype. So like what AI is capable of today. When we initially saw ChatGPT, there was this you know feeling that AI is going to actually be able to do everything for us now, and and then you start to sort of see some of these issues. So there was some overestimation of the capabilities of these technologies in the short run, but we're still underestimating like how AI is fundamentally going to change, like how we live, how we work. So so I think like people should believe in this and big things are going to happen here. And and so so just keep learning like how this technology is evolving because that's another interesting thing is that the pace of innovation in AI is like nothing that we've seen before. Like we had big trends in the past, like the internet, like you know, the smartphones with iPhone. Uh, but the pace of innovation with those was actually much slower than what we're seeing with AI. Like, you know, with AI, like every few months, you see something that you just couldn't even comprehend before that this was actually possible with computers. So I think that there is amazing um, uh, opportunities to use AI to solve all kinds of business problems. And uh, as entrepreneurs, as technologists, I think if you have that core belief in your mind, you know, it's going to help you sort of build great products and great companies. As you're recruiting and growing your team, do you find that you necessarily have to have some kind of machine learning or search background to be successful at Glean, or or how are you recruiting uh, engineering folks? We we actually um, 
uh, first of all, like to build a product, even at an AI company, um, you always we need we need folks like you know with different types of experiences. Folks who actually can build really good, amazing user interfaces and product experiences to folks who can actually you know, build scalable infrastructure systems, you know, that can handle petabytes and petabytes of information and still build, you know, uh, you know, um, systems, you know, that I, that are actually performant, you know, work fast. And, and then of course we need like a lot of folks who have that mindset of actually, you know, doing, you know, doing good jobs on, you know, machine learning based systems. So it's, it's a broad spectrum. Um, but, but, more importantly, I feel like you know all the machine learning technologies. They're they're very easy for you to learn. So so when we hire, we we don't need somebody to sort of have that experience beforehand. Like as long as you have an an analytical mindset, you're going to be able to actually quickly pick up um, machine learning as a as a discipline. Now I, I'm curious because you know you were a distinguished engineer. Fewer than one percent of engineers at Google you know achieve that rating. You know, over the years um, that you spent at the company, you you obviously had to get promoted quite so many times. Uh, mm-hmm. Was there any kind of promotion in particular that was more challenging than others? You know, on, on blind, a lot of uh, the professionals they they often are in the middle of their career, and they they kind of speak of this like plateau of not knowing what to do. You know, they've hit senior. Maybe they're trying to go for staff. Uh, maybe they're trying to debate whether they want to go on the IC versus management route. Do you have any advice for those folks there? Well, first, first, like you know, as an engineer, um, I would say that the the best mindset, you know, you know, to have is where you you try to innovate, you try to like just do good work, build like you know, solve real problems, and 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 like you know the when you when you do that, like you know the the promotions, you know, will follow. You know, we've seen that this actually happened at Google, where your you start to sort of drive your actions uh, based on figuring out what am I going to need to actually get promoted, and that starts to dictate your actions. And I, I think it's it's flipped. You know, in my opinion, I, I think you you have to forget about this whole promotion process and and think about making impact. You know, you know, with, with the product that you're working on, and good companies will typically. Um, will recognize that, and and you will see those promotions like happen for you. So that that that's one thing uh, that I would that I would tell people is, is is to focus on 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 innovation, focus on building great products. And and then the second thing, like you know, in terms of like, should I should I move to the management track because that's that's what's actually going to help me grow um, in levels and 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 get you know get paid more versus should I stay you know, on the technical track. Um, I think there are two options, like, you know, like, you know, I'm, I'm sort of think, you know, saying from a more idealistic, you know, mindset, you do what you like more, because, you know, you're probably going to succeed more with, um, you know, uh, you know, you know, with, with that, like, you know, if, if you try to do things, you know, which you're not good at, or something that you don't really enjoy, then at some point, you're going to give up and, 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 and it'll sort of limit you and, you know, and, and, and plateau you in that sense. Um, second thing is that you know if you feel like you know you're in, you know, you're in a company in a place where now you can no longer pursue your passion and do the things you know that that you actually like to do, 
but still get recognized and you know climb you know climb the ladder then you know there are plenty of companies out there and and you know you know still um like who will actually be a better fit for you um for example as an engineer if you feel like you're reaching a ceiling in google um there there are so many other great startups looking for the experience you have and and at startups they value uh engineering a lot more because we need to build things um uh, we you know we don't have that many people that you need to manage so so i think the uh that's that's another path for people like you know who who want to select make an impact like you know i think you go to a small, smaller company you'll have that chance more speaking of startups arvid let's say like people who are on the blind you know platform and others who are maybe software engineers product managers what have you and they're thinking of maybe maybe trying the entrepreneurial route are there anything you would recommend to people you know yeah. any suggestions for them yeah like you know my my suggestion always for people you know when they're trying to think about ideas uh, um or uh, startups you know that they want to start the what i tell people is you know try to try to like you know just you know see from your own experience like what you've done in the past you've you've like you know you probably found bunch of things you know that have been annoying to you like you know in terms of maybe how technology works or like you know things that made your you know work harder more difficult uh, things you know where you spend a lot of times you know doing things that you didn't want to do so if you can actually like go back and think about your own experiences um and and see if i can actually you know solve that problem in a way that nobody has been able to solve before and if you follow that path often leads to sort of more conviction that you will have in your own ideas and like help you start a company so but but my advice to you as a as a um you know as 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 a uh, as an individual like wanting to start a company is to sort of go look at things that you're familiar with problems that you've actually experienced because one thing that i've noticed is you know with folks who want to start companies is that they are the first ones to actually you know you know reject their own ideas before somebody else rejects ideas for them so so i think you will avoid that if you um if you actually solve something that you've experienced yourself Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. There's this investor Peter Lynch, back in the day, really renowned, and his investment thesis was always find a, a company that you understand. So his office was next to an Oban Pan, and he would go and eat lunch there, and he would look around, and it was crowded. And then he did his homework and saw, oh my gosh, this franchise is growing leaps and bounds, and he would invest in it. So he's fine. In this instance, it was finding something that was going well, and they added to it. But what you're also saying is, on the other side, for people who are interested in maybe starting up something in AI, maybe find something in your work environment that you know is a pain, and everyone is frustrated by it, to focus on that because you have the knowledge in that space, so it can make you more competitive, as opposed to maybe going to something you have no idea about. Does that absolutely? Yeah, yeah. And, and also not not just make you more competitive, yeah. but but it actually also. make you have that fundamental belief in it like often time you know, like you 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 won't do a startup because you lose faith in your own ideas mm-hmm. so that's that's another part like you know that that's the other thing that it helps with you know we you know this is one of the lessons i have learned is that you know if you if you love the product that you you know that you're working on you're going to do a great job at it you're going to stay you know motivated you can actually you know you will be innovative Got it. I appreciate this kind of focus on impact because 
I mean, going back to what we were discussing between the IC versus management debate, I think people often take being a manager as a shortcut to demonstrate impact, right? Where you say, oh, well, I've managed larger and larger teams, or I now become a manager. And so my, my influence has necessarily gained or I'm necessarily doing bigger and better projects. But I mean, to your point and your career points out, um, you don't necessarily have to do that, right? Where you, if you just truly focused on the product and the problem that you're solving for the end user, for the customer, then, you know, these promotions or um, this career success can, can naturally follow. And uh, it will definitely speak on your resume when you uh, apply for other jobs even. Yeah, absolutely. And actually it's, it's an interesting thing, like for startups, the sometimes, you know, that like ha- the, the fact that you've managed you know, 50 people and then 100 and then 200, you know, those skills are actually not useful to us. Like you know, we don't have 200 people you know, that you need to manage. So it's actually for many startups, what their value is what work you did. Now you're actually still able to actually go in write lines of code and be like at the ground floor, like doing IC level work, but also the ability to mentor and lead other people. Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And I I really appreciate you coming on the show, Arvind, to kind of give us a sneak peek into kind of what's next for uh, AI, especially with like enterprise AI applications, uh, but also your your career to date. Thanks. Thank you so much for having me. That's it for The Blind Ambition. If you enjoyed the show, please leave us a five-star rating and a review. And don't forget to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening.